Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And, of course, that sometimes means that we've got to talk about the kingdoms of the world. And the kingdoms of the world have been busy for the last century or two, getting more and more of the people devoured into a system of bondage. They don't think they're in bondage. They think they're free. They think they have rights that are still intact. Those rights do exist, but somebody has the right to decide what they will do, how much they will do, when they will do it, etc., etc., etc. And people talk about inalienable rights like you cannot lose them. Well, you can lose them to obligations. There are only so many hours in a day, and if you have obligations that you have to fulfill, and those obligations are enforceable in law, then you will be busy fulfilling those obligations and not exercising your rights. You see, that's that's the way it works, is that if you create contractual obligations, you will have to meet those obligations and then in your spare time enjoy your rights. If you give someone else the power to decide for you what you're going to do and then you go into debt in order to fulfill that obligation, you're bound this is this is the way courts work. This is the way governments work. They they work by contract. Contract makes the law, and we're going to look at that. Now, we think that laws are made like House Bill 421. The uh, health framework legislation is passed. It will establish a one-size-fits-all approach to sex education and remove local community control over choosing appropriate curriculum. People say, well, wait a minute, they're our schools. No, they're not. The schools are funded by the federal government, and the federal government doesn't belong to you. You belong to the federal government. This your world has turned upside down while you were busy thinking you were saved and singing in your churches. You have gone back into the bondage of Egypt more so than you were in Egypt. It's worse with you. The dog has returned to the vomit, the pig to its mire, and now you're back in bondage again. Just as an example, a 16-year-old girl is criminally charged in Florida for uh, taking toilet bowl cleaner and aluminum foil and putting them in an eight-ounce container where the lid actually popped off the container when it began to produce smoke. And it's an age-old smoke bomb. It's been used in chem labs for years and years. They don't do it inside the building. And she didn't do it inside the building. She did it outside. She wanted to see what would happen. She's studying chemistry, and she was wondering what was going to happen. She's now being criminally charged for setting off a bomb. It was only an 8-ounce container. It was only a little bit of smoke. It was household aluminum foil and, and, and toilet bowl cleaner. Big deal. I mean, 
are we going to criminally charge with a felony everybody who's ever dropped a cherry bomb in a toilet at a school? It, it's uh, they, They're pranks. Although in this case, the girl was actually doing a science experiment. She did it outside because she didn't want to get smoke in the classroom. And she did it on her own time because she was curious. But the the insanity, they make a rule. And your employees at the um, at the school follow these rules mindlessly, like religious zealots with no conscience. We we heard the story not too long ago of the boy who was eating his pop tart for breakfast at school, which is a crime in my my personal opinion in itself. That you're feeding pop tarts to children because they're terrible for them, full of sugar, full of processed foods. It's just terrible. It's setting them on a road to eating junk foods, in my opinion. But, he chewed it. He was trying to make a mountain. And it kind of looked like a gun. It's a Pop-Tart. Kind of looked like a gun because he chewed away certain parts. He was suspended. He's six years old. He was suspended from school. What kind of mindless Idiots are running your school. Those are the people you're putting your children in the hands of. People with absolutely void of common sense. Absolutely void of common sense. The fact that this even goes beyond a five-minute discussion in the school itself. The fact that it even comes up. With a, a six-year-old ch- child, he didn't even point it at anybody and, and make a noise like bang, bang. I mean, kids are being suspended for drawing a picture. What happened to that free speech? What? And these are the stories that come to the surface. You're, you're ch- you've turned your children over to mindless idiots. Bureaucratic uh, dumble bums. Stumble bums. You should get your kids out of public school. But anyway, let's go on. Pentagon confirms it will prosecute service members who share their Christian faith. Well, of course, I I consider most people's Christian faith to be really in the toilet. I mean, it really has nothing to do with Christ. It is completely void of this common sense, too. I mean, it's... It's just as as ignorant and foolish as these people that you've asked and are paying to teach your children nonsense and lies. Read our article on schools to fools, schools as tools. Your children aren't learning history. Your children, they don't even have history class anymore. They have social studies. Actually, I think they're naming it something else even more remote now. And your Christian churches, they're the culprit. They're the culprit in this because they haven't been teaching the morality of Christ, the teachings of Christ. They've been teaching all kinds of other doctrines and philosophies. I mean, people are arguing, was it a stake? Was it a cross? You know, uh, are we saved by faith? Are we saved by works? There isn't even any debate there. Not those who say, but those who do. 
but yet you can't do enough. So therefore you are saved by faith. But if you aren't even doing the basics, then you probably don't even believe in Jesus Christ. That's It's as simple as that. But anyway, servicemen who share their Christian faith, according to the Obama administration, uh, who happens to be the president of this United States at this particular time, supposedly, um, which has nothing to do with me, but it has to do with you. His administration, Pentagon appointees, have recently met with anti-Christian extremists to develop a court-martial procedure to punish Christians in the military who express or share their faith. The Military Religious Freedom Foundation says Christians, including chaplains sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the military, are guilty of treason and committing an act of, quote, spiritual rape. How can they be spiritual rape? They also assert that Christians sharing their faith in the military are enemies of the Constitution. Who do you think would battle against these ideas? Men like Patrick Henry? Men like George Washington? They they would be shocked. I tell you, they'd be doing more than chewing their Pop-Tarts into the shape of a gun. I mean, what was this whole Patrick Henry's give me liberty, give me death speech? was because the government was requiring a license to preach the gospel. You had to ask permission of the government to preach the gospel. And a man was arrested because he refused to get a license to preach because he said he had an inalienable right to preach the gospel. And he was whipped until you could actually see the bones on his ribcage through his skin. He was whipped in the public square because they had already been thrown in prison for some time into a pit and he wouldn't repent. He refused to get a license to preach. What minister today in America does not get a license to preach from the state to perform sacraments like holy matrimony? They don't even perform holy matrimony anymore. They work as agents of the state. You have progressively gone away from the very beliefs that early Americans fought and died for, early Christians were persecuted for. You are doing the absolute antithesis of what Christ said. The absolute antithesis of what Christ said. And you are claiming to be saved because you believe in Jesus. You don't even know Jesus. You don't even have the slightest idea what he was talking about. And I blame it on your churches. They're in absolute horrible apostasy. And there is going to be recompense. Now, yesterday we sent out our kingdom newsletter. And from now on, I think we're going to be, uh, I can't, I can't meet the schedule of writing newsletters and being on the radio for seven, eight hours a week and recording radio programs for rebroadcast in, on other stations because we, we would like to syndicate this station, uh, syndicate this program, get it out to more and more people so that you can begin to actually hear the gospel for a change. 
And uh, so we're going to put out our newsletter on our preparingyou.com website. Preparingyou.com website. And uh, it's constructed by the people, for the people, and uh, of the people. They, it's a wiki site, so therefore they can, you can write articles, you can become an author and write articles, you can put on pages on all kinds of topics to prepare people to actually seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because the unrighteous famine that you have all become a part of, you've all become sureties for dead because of your covetousness. And, uh, you're gonna need to learn some skills. And you're going to need to learn them fast. Why? Because this system will absolutely and utterly collapse. And uh, the entire system that you are so dependent on will be destroyed. I mean, it could be destroyed in the twinkling of an eye. You, you've created this uh, technological wonder, but don't be too proud of this technological wonder that you've created. Because the power of the force can destroy it. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing uh, Darth Vader there. Uh, because that's what you're really up against is this evil Darth Vader in, in the world and and the evil in your own hearts. And you need to repent. You are in terrible, terrible, terrible need of repentance to actually accept Jesus Christ, the consciousness of Christ, the Spirit of Christ. You need to accept that. And if you did, you wouldn't have been doing this, the ridiculous stuff that you've been doing and giving power to the to the monsters that you've been giving power to. And you don't even know how you've been doing it because you're absolutely ignorant. And we're going to talk about that the next couple hours. In Luke twenty one twenty five, Jesus says, Jesus says, this, this guy out there, Walking around in the desert with sandals, you know, and he's growing his hair long because he took the vow of the Nazarite, you know, so he's not even cutting his hair. And he's he's going around and he's doing these miracles and stuff like that, but a lot of people think he's a fraud. And he's talking about stuff that makes people so mad they want to throw him over a cliff. He comes up and says in Luke twenty one twenty five. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And the word there for stars includes the planets. And upon the earth, distress of nation. And and that word distress, it's a very interesting word. We could do a whole study on it. It has to do with contracting of nations. Contracting. Like contract. Like connecting. Of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Now, that, that statement was actually metaphoric as well as there will be actually a geocentric uh, model of the whole thing taking place. And, and right now, actually, on the way towards Earth is a solar flare. Headed towards Earth. I was actually going to take a look today and see what the satellites are saying 
concerning uh, the solar flare. Actually, I'm, I'm going to zip over to it. It's not a very big one. It's an M1.1 class flare. And uh, uh, going to probably strike the Earth and increase radiation. We were struck a couple weeks ago. And a lot of people complained that there was a great deal of sunburn going on at the time. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was actually another flare that just went off yesterday. I don't sure if it's Earth-facing or not. Um, yeah, we were hit three days ago, and radiation levels went up into the yellow. And we're expected to be hit sometime today. And there's another CME that was actually quite large, about M8, but not even X-class. And, and a number of years ago, they've added another class. They haven't even named it, but it's a Mega Flare class. They used to, X used to be the highest class of flare that they registered. And then they saw one that went way off the scales, even beyond X-class flare. So they had to add another whole section to the chart. And, uh, uh, anyway, these flares can hit the Earth and cause magnetic storms, and they cancel polar flights, and it interferes with radio broadcasts, and it does a lot of things like that. But they, if you get into the X-class or mega flare category, and we've been hit by those back in 19, or 18, was it 85? Or, yeah, 1885. And, uh, it knocked out telegraph wires. It actually melted telegraph wires because the wires traveling over the Earth's surface absorbed the electrical charges that came into the atmosphere. And uh, it knocked out the telegraph communication. If one of those flares hit today, uh, you would not be hearing this radio broadcast anymore. <laughs> It would knock out radios, it would knock out telephones, it would knock out satellites, it would knock out your TV would go off. Oh my gosh, you wouldn't be able to watch TV. You know, uh, it could have unbelievable devastating. Whenever these solar flares are hitting the earth, and um, they do on a regular basis, but uh, the really big ones uh, come in. There's an alert on all your pipelines, gas lines, oil lines, you know, oil lines up in Alaska because they're all computer run and they're running across the surface of the earth and they can absorb these electrons and it can burn out the computer chips that are operating the pumps and maintaining the temperature. Uh, And you could have one of the massive oil spills, cut off oil, fuel prices could zoom to... You know, $50 a gallon. Uh, crops would not get harvested because people don't keep enough oil and gas on their farms to get them all the way through the season because they're all operating on borrowed money. Um, it could, and the power could literally be knocked out for the whole sunlit side of the earth for anywhere between six days and six months. And uh, it, it actually is known to fuse generators, these huge, giant, you know, building-sized generators, which we don't have extra ones in stock. And we don't even make them here in this country anymore. They're made in China. So guess what? You're not going to get one to, to tomorrow. 
you know, we we live in an extremely precarious society. But the problem isn't just the technological dependence that we are now under. But the problem is, is that we have lost the secret of liberty in the world today. People don't know what it means to be at liberty, to have the right to choose what you're going to do today, what you're going to eat, uh, what you're going to work at, what you're going to contribute to, what you're going to support. You don't have those rights anymore. You don't have access to those rights anymore. You're in bondage. I mean, Egypt, what was the bondage of Egypt? 20% of everything you earn had to go to the government. You had to work 20% of your year or your day every day for the government. And they took care of your welfare in time of need. And all the gold and silver was in the treasury of the government. And you used something else. It was little clay scarabs and and uh, and other trade items, carved trade items that would be used as money, as if it was money. It's not real money, but they use it as if it was money. And uh, it was issued by the temples, which were government buildings. And there was grain stored, supposedly for your benefit, in the case of, you know, uh, famine. And, and we used to have seven years' supply of grain stored on the farms in this country for an emergency. We don't have that anymore. You don't have that. As a matter of fact, in worldwide, because grain moves by huge ships worldwide, of course... One of those major CMEs, a lot of those ships would become, uh, they wouldn't even have navigational systems anymore uh, on board. But uh, there's secondary geomagnetic disturbances. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the second half of the show, what that all can mean. But really we want to get to the crooks of what is the real problem here. Uh, that is facing the world today. Why are we in the kind of trouble that we are really on the verge of just absolute, total, scary, biblical, end-of-the-world kind of trouble? Economically, morally, spiritually, we are bankrupt as a nation, as a people, as a world, as a planet. We are morally bankrupt. But... There are some people, the, the, the beautiful thing about morality is that all it requires in order to become wealthy again in the realm of morality is that you can reverse everything simply by repenting. Repenting and turning around. And the glory of Christ, what, what Christ did, can change and turn the whole world back right side up again. If you repent. But you must repent and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Those are the instructions. John the Baptist gave them. Jesus gave them. Those are the instructions. 
repent. That means you have to turn around. Not just say you believe in Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. But you have to actually physically repent now. Your repenting is not enough. Turning around and going the other way, you, you, you couldn't do enough. So you still are saved by grace. But if you haven't repented, if you haven't changed your ways, if you haven't turned toward Christ and His ways, then you're not saved. No matter what strong delusion you have stuffed into your brain and emotionally grappled to hold on to, you're not saved. That's just it. it you're just under a strong delusion. And we're going to show you the process of your bondage and how you've rejected the perfect law of liberty and return to the mire when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And we're talking about a lot of things in the kingdom. And I, I said we'd talk a little bit more uh, about this geocentric model. You know, cosmic rays are part of the Earth's inner uh, heating uh, equation. They are are uh, likely responsible for more or less the continuous core mantle heating that keeps the Earth dynamic even during the, the quietest times of solar activity. And uh, this is essential. I mean, you have to have this core uh, and, and the uh, currents of magma in the Earth in order to maintain this magnetic field that we see around the Earth, which makes life possible upon the Earth. Without that magnetic field, the uh, energies from the sun would come in and you'd all be radiated. Plants would start to die. People would start to die. Um, it would just be absolutely uh, devastating. And these cosmic rays and, and solar neutrinos uh, likely excite radioactive elements. Uh, even people talk about uh, cold fusion reactions and possibly even... A uh, small neutron core in in the Earth itself. Uh, there's an expanding Earth theory, which it actually makes a great deal of sense uh, based on a lot of the discoveries that some scientists are willing to admit to today. Uh, a lot of scientists, in order to fit uh, what we are seeing take place into their uh, what they learned in college. They have to call lots of things phenomena because it doesn't fit. And But the reality is this uh, electromagnetic uh, currents of the universe and that the part that they play in creation, uh, look up Thunderbolt, Google it, uh, watch some of their videos, and you'll learn a lot more about uh, physics of uh, the earth and the moon and the stars that Jesus was talking about then uh, you will learn by going studying old physics books that really have it wrong. But anyway, this heating in the core, they actually did a test recently and they've come to a conclusion that where they thought the core was uh, 5,000 degrees at the, at the center core, uh, they now are suspecting that it's 6,000 degrees. Well, they, there is a, a small debate going on as to whether 
it used to be 5,000 degrees and it's now heated up, um, they don't know. But in the expanding Earth theory, the reality is, uh, is that they believe that every so often the core of the Earth becomes very active and these currents in, just below the mantle become very active. And you, the hot spots like, uh, um, Vesuvius and Hawaiian Islands and, and some of the other islands off the coast of the Madagascar, uh, begin to become uh, very active. And, uh, we have seen in the last solar max a lot more activity, more volcanic activity. And there's over 24 volcanoes going off under the ocean. And this increase in activity will cause eventually more earthquakes. But this all goes through cycles. So you have more activity, then you have less activity, then you have more activity. But there appears to be, over a longer range in time, huge amounts of activity where the Earth becomes, just all the way around the Earth, becomes extremely active and then settles down into a relatively inactive period for you know, thousands of years. And uh, it's during those really active times that a lot of the mountains are created. Uh, there are evidently floods that take place. Uh, there are whole plains where they know that the, there was some sort of giant flood because they find all these bones of animals that were just wiped off the face of the earth and buried in layers and layers of mud. And so... They know that there have been extremely active times. They look at Mars and they see these huge canyons carved out, but they know it wasn't water, and it appears that it was actually lightning bolts, uh, interplanetary uh, lightning bolts that came from some object and struck the planet Mars, carving out these huge canyons. And... Uh, the studies, which you can also see at Thunderbolt, uh, bear this out. And, and the similarities and the, the realities uh, are just amazing. So the point is is that we go through huge geological and uh, even astronomical changes in the universe from time to time. And these are based on, you know, uh, basic principles and it, survival on the planet will become hard even if you lived in a primitive society. If you live in the society that we live in today, absolutely dependent upon this, you know, electricity and the flow of fuel and oil, which is dependent upon electricity and um, refrigeration and huge factories to process your food. Uh, I mean, the good news is is that when all this breaks down, you're not going to be eating that junk food anymore. Unfortunately, you're not going to be eating anything else anymore. <laughs> but at least you won't be eating all that processed food because you won't be able to process it because there will be just total planetary blackout. And then, of course, you know, wherever this blackout takes place, uh, the the other side will come in jeopardy because there will be the people escaping from the side that has become to almost uninhabitable because all their equipment is broke down will now try to move over to other areas. And uh, it's just, we live in a very fine-tuned machine. When I fly over this country, I look down and I see all these cities and the 
the roads and, and the street lights and the factories and the cars and the trucks and the trains all moving goods and services about uh, to create this um, huge cornucopia of, uh, of uh, food and, uh, and uh, tools and resources. Could that all come to an end? Could that all stop? I mean, the political machine has certainly thrown a monkey wrench into it by its artificial economy. And uh, millions upon millions of people have lost their homes and lost their life savings and are struggling to make ends meet while other people are doing really rather well. But, of course, because we have created a society in which it is absolutely okay not to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, uh, the fact that some are being uh, very prosperous, others are still forced to uh, eat by and uh, eke out a living uh, losing, you know, life's work, life's efforts, and uh, being absolutely destitute uh, again and again and again, not to the tune of a few thousand or a few hundred thousand, but to millions upon millions. People are still losing their homes on a regular basis. On a regular, regular basis, people are still giving up their homes. Their homes sitting idle all over while other people are so wealthy that they're building new homes and uh, and the, the, the reach between the haves and the haves not is growing greater and greater and uh, people are less and less patient about uh, there's still some really great people in America and this is really what our message is is those people who have repented do want to go the way of righteousness do want to do what Christ actually said do actually love Christ not this artificial uh, mamby-pamby put-in-hand Christ that uh, most churches put forward but the actual real Christ and the real message of Christ, they're still around and they need to come together. But the fact is, is most of your churches are not really preaching the true message of Christ. And, and it was Christ who said, look for signs in the sun. And so I, since I was five years old, the first time I saw the sun through a telescope, I've been looking at the sun. And now I have, you know, been graced to see the Earth-Sun connection, the connection, the power that the sun influences over the uh, electromagnetic currents, the geomagnetic uh, activity, and the, the geocentric engine of this planet is so connected to the sun, it's... Uh, Staggering to realize. And Christ knew it back then. But there is another connection between us and God's creation and us and God himself. And we have severed that connection. We have gone out of the presence of God because we have chosen to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong, to create for ourselves our own government, that exercises authority not only over us, but over our neighbors, and therefore over us. 
So much so that we have gone completely the opposite way of Christ. We have gone towards the ways of Nimrod. While professing, while taking the name of the Lord in vain, we actually seek the power and potestas of Nimrod to make our world secure. To protect us. To provide for us. At the expense of our neighbor. We've done this. And how did we do it? By violating the very basic and basic, basic principles of God. Now see, some people think that, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you cannot lose your salvation. If you, if you profess Jesus with your mouth, that you cannot lose your salvation. Which is poppycock. I mean, it's, it's a lie. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's not what Christ said. And it's misconstruing what Paul said. It's taking Paul out of context of Paul. It's taking Paul out of the context of Christ. And we have a 20-hour, 22-hour study on Romans, the epistle of Paul to the Romans. And and, uh, we go through it step by step. And we should go through the commandments. But, you know, basically the commandments are talking about thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the word gods means ruling judges. And it means you shouldn't give anybody else the power to be the ruling judge of your life. You should only give God that power by not going out of his presence and going to men like Nimrod and Lamech and and Caesar or Pharaoh and making them gods. Making them the ruling judges. Making them your lawmakers. Your lawmaker is God. And he said there should be no other gods, no other lawmakers but him. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Graven, that means that's something you make with your hands. You should not create any institutions. That's a graven image. An institution is something you made. Or a likeness of God or his government. Anything in heaven or above or on earth, beneath or anything... Then it moves in the water. Now, they, they're talking about that. And we have this idea that he's talking about we're not supposed to make a golden calf and all that stuff. We've shown you the golden calf was just a reserve bank. But it was an institution. They, they're turning over their gold to high priest. And he's making this golden calf. What, what are they going to use for exchange? Well, they issued something to be used as an exchange amongst them. But it only worked amongst them. It didn't work outside of their community. And it bound the people to their community because you had nothing of personal wealth. You had to go to them. The money you were using was issued by them. Therefore, it was theirs. So you could hold up a coin and say, who issued this coin? Who issued this money? Well, at least back then it was gold. Shortly after that, Rome began to not even issue gold and silver coins. They would keep those and they issued these other iron coins that were supposed to have value but didn't. And of course that led to runaway inflation. You're already gone past that stage in this process. Anyway, thou shalt not bow down to them thyself to them or serve them. Well, the gods that you have chosen for yourself that make the laws for you, your lawmakers, you bow down and serve them all the time. I remember back in 1994, there was a 
thing that the Republicans did where they were going to have create this contract with America and they, they had these basic 10 plank contract with America that they were going to issue, uh, introduce these bills that were going to be voted on, et cetera, et cetera. Well, most of them all failed. Either died in the Senate or died with, uh, uh, negotiations or what have you, but they did pass some of them. Uh, but, uh, the point is, is that, that you already have a contract with America. Each of you have contracts with America. You've made all kinds of contracts. You've joined all kinds of agencies and made contracts with those agencies by becoming a part of, to their benefit system. And now you have to bow down and serve those systems and pay into those systems because you made agreements with them. Even though the basis of their system is contrary to what Christ said to do, what God said to do, what Moses told us God said to do. So whether you're a Jew or a Muslim or a Christian, doesn't make any difference. You're in violation of the basic precepts if you have anything to do with modern governments any, in any country, in any, any part of the world. You're in violation of the Ten Commandments, and I'll show you that. Now, he talks about that you were not to bow down to serve them. But then he goes on to say, Thou shalt uh, take, not take the name of the Lord God in vain. In other words, you're not going to claim Christ and do contrary to what Christ said. You're not going to claim you believe in God and then do contrary to what God said. Right? Because if you did that, then you would be taking his name in vain. You say, I'm doing this in the name of God. I'm making this graven image in the name of God. I'm creating this institution in the name of God, even though I'm going to give this institution the power to make law and rule over me and my neighbor. That's taking the name of the God in vain because you're saying that you're you believe in God, but then you do the exact opposite by giving other men the power to make law and to rule over you and decide what is right and what is wrong for you. You see, that's absolutely in violation of all three of the first ten commandments, uh, uh, first three of the ten commandments. It, you know, if you get down and it says, Thou shalt not Take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold his hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And all these born again Christians that go around saying that they're saved, they have taken the name of God in vain. They've taken the name of Christ in vain. Because they're doing contrary to what... Because he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But they're not doing it. And, and we're going to show you that they're not doing it. He talks about remember the Sabbath. And that, that's a big whole sermon in itself. The Sabbath has to do with working six days and taking your day of rest. It has to do with the order of work, then rest. That's what it's talking about. Work. Earn the rest. Take the rest. So if you're in debt, you've violated the Sabbath. Because you owe 
you, you, you took your rest, now you have to pay back. You see, that's the reverse of the Sabbath. You didn't work six days and then take your rest. You took your rest and now you have to work six days to take, you know, like you, you borrow money to buy a house. You pay on that mortgage for ten years. You haven't got anything paid off. You, you, you've still got to, you've paid more than the value of the house. But nothing's paid off. You're going to have to work another 20 years to get the house paid off. You've already paid for the house in interest, but you're not going to get that. You don't own the house. You've got to work because you're in violation of the Sabbath, the principles of the Sabbath. Now, that's completely contrary to what most of you probably have been told, but that's because you have been listening to the apostate churches for generations now. But that's what it's about. Work six days. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But on the seventh day, now you get to rest. But you didn't do that. You did the reverse. You did the absolute reverse. And you're in debt. And you've done that in so many different ways. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, that everybody's got a mortgage on the house, a terrible sinner. I'm talking about precepts there. And the fact is, if you were doing all the other commandments like you should be doing, you wouldn't have had to go to a bank and borrow money to buy that house. You guys would all own your houses and nobody would be losing their houses. You know, it's you've done so many things wrong that it's an absolute mess. Absolute mess. And, and it's not going to be solved overnight. You're not going to file some paper and then suddenly everything goes away. No, you're going to have to do some repenting and some serious turning around. Now, honor thy father and thy mother. That they, they Now, that's not one of the thou shalt nots. There's, there's about ten thou shalt nots. But they actually make this a separate commandment in most books. But actually, it's really part of the Sabbath thing. Because if you were honoring your father and your mother, you would have gone to your father and your mother to borrow the money to build your house. Because honoring thy father and thy mother, the word honor there means to fatten, to increase. Your family would be your bank. That's right. Your family would be your bank. And then if you gather together with other souls who are seeking the kingdom of God in congregations, you could go to your congregation if your family was destitute and they would help you out. But instead, you, you're divided as a community. I mean, you're so far from the kingdom, you can't even see how it could possibly work. But if you start going back, the pieces of the puzzle will start coming together. And of course, thou shalt not kill which also includes not killing your neighbor's finger. So you can't, you can say, well, I didn't kill him, I just cut off his finger. Well, that's all part of that deal. You can't kill your neighbor. You wouldn't be putting insecticides on your, uh, crops that might poison somebody someday. Yeah, well, you, well, I have to, otherwise I won't make a lot of money. No, you would stop doing that. We know somebody who, uh, went organic and he says, I almost went bankrupt. He says, because I didn't know what I was doing. He did this before anybody else was doing it years and years ago. And he did it because he actually read the Bible. And he was being made sick by all the herbicides and pesticides that he was using. So he actually went cold turkey off those things. And he says, boy, it was quite a transition. But now they're very, very, very successful. 
and uh, doing great. And they actually have people coming to them learning it. But anyway, so there's a lot of things you can do to kill. You could hire other people to kill for you. And, of course, now, you know, we abort millions of babies. We bomb other countries. I mean, killing is just a way of life. You know, we, we when I was a kid, we were watching people napalm uh, villages in Vietnam while we sat there and ate on uh, TV trays. And then I was supposed to go over there and kill gooks myself uh, when I went into the service. Fortunately, I was spared to that, thanks to God. But uh, anyway, so thou shalt not kill is pretty simple. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, it's, that's not just about marriage. That's any kind of adulterating your own body, and adulterating your food supply, adulterating yourselves with all kinds of poisons, adulterating your mind, etc., with uh, false ideas and false beliefs, which is rampant today. Thou shalt not steal. That means that you're not going to actually physically rob somebody. Go in and take away from others. And you shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In other words, lie. Uh, That would damage your neighbor. Uh, Gossip. All those things fall under that bearing false witness. Um, You're going to be open and honest in in your dealings with people. Not sneaky and contriving. Um, now we get into what is kind of a double commandment, because there's two thou shalt nots here. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Now, house doesn't mean, you know, just, you know, where he lives, but his whole household, anything that is thy neighbor's. And it goes on, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, the, nor thy manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Well, now, this is a very interesting one because this everybody does. They covet their neighbor's goods. They covet everything that is their neighbor's. And they do this through the socialist state. But somehow or other, they've excused that. And we're going to explain how you've been trapped and snared in our next show on Keys to the Kingdom. And we may even get into how you can get out of that snare, which has to do with repentance. Until then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom 
with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the Kingdom of God in the last show. We kind of ran through the Ten Commandments rather quickly. And, of course, the first one has to do with having no other gods before you, which those gods are ruling judges, the ones who have the right to make law and tell you what is right and what is wrong and, and regulate your life. They're lawmakers. You know, a lot of people think that they're live in a republic, and actually they don't. They live in a democracy that was created in a series of republics called states and created by those republics, those states, not by the people, but by the states. And they that democracy elects not representatives, but lawmakers. They're lawmakers. You're in a democracy. The United States federal government is an indirect democracy. In a republic. That's what its creed says. It has a creed because it has a religious aspect to the government today. As a matter of fact, it is the government that does most of the religious services in society today. What is religion? Religion is how you take care of the needy of your society. Early Christians did this by faith, hope, and charity. And the perfect law of liberty. In other words, you contributed to a minister who took care of the needy of your society. And that was a very localized process. In other words, ten families. A family being an elder of a family. The oldest uh, patriarch of that family, usually. And all his sons, all his married sons, and his unmarried daughters. That's a family. And that might be 20, 50, even 100 people. And he is the elder of that family. And ten such families as that would gather together and pick a minister. And they would contribute to that minister. Their sons would contribute to their father. That would be honor thy father, fatten thy father. And the father would contribute to the minister and his family. And his whole family was a ministerial family. And uh, they would take care of the needs and needy of their society. And they would report to ten elders what they were doing, bearing witness to what they were doing by word and deed, and they would be supported in their rightly dividing the bread from house to house, taking care of the social welfare of Christians from house to house in faith, hope, and charity, and according to the perfect law of liberty. They would gather once a week on Sunday, not as their day of rest. Their day of rest was the Sabbath. Most Christians, all the way across the board, even many of the Gentiles, took a Sabbath off as a day of rest. Sunday was the first day of the week. And they gathered to take care of business. And that business was to worship God in faith, hope, and charity by feeding his sheep and taking care. So they would gather together and they would make their prayers if they had needs. And those that had shared with those that did not have enough. Now that's right out of the, the explanation, the apology of Justin, 150 years 
into the millennium, which would be like a hundred years after Christ. He's explaining what they were doing. This is 150 years before Constantine. The early church was taking care of all the social welfare of early Christians. They would not go to the temples of Rome to get benefits. They would not go to the Corbin of the Pharisees because they knew that made the word of God in none effect. And they would not go to the Corbin of Rome because they knew that also would make the word of God in none effect. They went to church to get the benefits of society and they only took the benefits that were freely given and in thanksgiving which is the Eucharist of Christ. They did not give out a crumb of bread on your tongue. They gave you a loaf of bread or a sack of bread so that you could get through the week without starvation and your children would eat. And if you couldn't make it to the Sunday services after your day of rest and you couldn't make it to the first day of the week to the government office of the church, they would send out your deacon to bring those supplies to you if you had need. And those that had shared with those that didn't have. Today, you don't want to live by faith. You want to live by force. Not like John the Baptist preached. Not like Jesus preached. Not like Paul preached. You want to live like Nimrod preached. You want to force your neighbor to provide you with your daily bread. And so therefore you pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other that they provide you with your daily bread at the expense of your neighbor. So you give them the power to take from your neighbor so that you can have these benefits. And you say you're saved because you believe in Jesus. You don't even believe in Jesus. You don't even know Jesus. Your churches are an abomination. There's no daily sacrifice for one another, much less the red heifer, which is another whole story. It has nothing to do with the color red or nothing to do with the heifer. But, and I'll just leave you in suspense on that, but it's clear that if you're praying to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other to obtain benefits from social security to unemployment to welfare to what have you, you're not a Christian. You're not doing what Christ said. You're seeking the Corbin of the Pharisees. A system. The Corbin of the Pharisees was a, a, cor, a, a system of sacrifice where you were compelled to sacrifice. Scribes wrote down what you paid in. What you paid in was determined by the Sanhedrin through statutory limitations and obligations that were placed on you because you went and got the baptism of Herod and were registered at the temple in a system of social security or social welfare that, according to Jesus, made the word of God to none effect. So how could you be making the word of God to none effect and still believe in Jesus? You couldn't be. You don't even know Jesus. You're not even doing what he said. You're not even trying to do what he said. You're walking around saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. You don't even know what you believe. 
It's not what Jesus believed. Jesus believed that system made the word of God to none effect. You believe it's okay. Because I accepted Jesus. You are under a strong delusion. You haven't accepted the Jesus I know. Now, some of you have a twinge of conscience about all this and are starting to put the pieces together. So, what are you going to do about it? you got to come together with other people. you got to find other elders. Elders and, and gather together with them. And that's, of course, what we're doing. And as I said in the last show, we're starting to give out our our, prepare, uh, our, our newsletter. And we will still send out the Kingdom newsletter, but it will just remind you as to where you can read our newsletter, which will be at Preparing You dot com slash wiki slash um, newsletter and uh, that will take you to that as a matter of fact I actually, I can actually we can actually create a program where if you just type in preparing you uh, newsletter that it goes to preparing you wiki newsletter and the different ministers throughout the country and and around the world that are actually seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness are going to be contributing uh, little articles and tidbits of information and things that they discover during the week and putting them there in the newsletter. And it's con- the site is constructed by you, the people. And uh, we'll have that there in archive form as well as in the current newsletter. And you can go and read it. But we're not just here for your entertainment. So what you really need to be doing is gathering together. Not forsaking the gathering together, but gathering together in faith, open charity, and the perfect law of liberty by forming congregations. Now, most of the congregations are spread out right now. And that's okay. That's okay to start with. And then when you find more people in your area, those through the process of mitosis almost, there will be a splitting of these cell group congregations, which are home group congregations. And they form over here, and then they form over here, and then ten over here, and then ten over there. And we do everything in church from saving seeds to teaching gardening to teaching health to teaching uh, all kinds of uh Skills And there's many, many to learn. And we're way behind the eight ball on what we need to learn. And that's why we've created the Preparing You site, along with the His Holy Church site, is that we have to turn the precepts of Christ into physical action. We can't just say we have to be doers of the Word. We have to care about one another enough to come together and help one another learn what we need to learn so that we all become self-sufficient enough that we are not dependent upon one another, but yet still come together, not for what we can get from each other, but for what we can bring to each other, what we can give. Because, see, we have to come for the purposes of serving others. Now, we're going to put together this whole series. We we kind of did a series on the mysteries, and we're really, this is a continuation of the mysteries series. But we're also uh, doing a series on, on uh, the power to choose, uh, the power to change 
our choice. And most of the power exercised by government today, especially the federal government, is based on contracts with government and the people. That's between the two. Direct contracts. Uh, there are both uh, executed contracts that are clearly... And people people like to immediately say, oh, yeah, but I didn't understand the terms of this contract. And you have to have full disclosure. There is full disclosure. You know, it's like Social Security. If you have a Social Security number, you have a contract with the United States. Like I said, they had this contract with America, the Republicans did back in 1994. And it was pretty simple. And most of it ever came about. But... Um, that you have a contract and one of them is your contract for Social Security. That's a contract. And the terms are found in the Social Security Act and in the administrative rules of the Social Security Administration. How many of you have read those rules? How many of you have read the original Social Security Act? How many of you have studied law enough to understand the ramifications of that act and the membership in that agency that you have by applying for a number? And you say, well, I didn't apply. My folks did. Well, they have the right to. Don't they have the right to sell you into bondage? They did in the old days. They could sell you into apprenticeship. They could buy an apprenticeship and you have to go work for the, the apprentice as an apprentice. For, you know, the master. You have to honor your father and your mother. And that's what they did. They said, well, in order for us to get benefits, we got to go get a number for you so that we can deduct you so that we don't have to pay so much taxes. You see? So they sold you. And But, of course, if you read our Call No Man on Earth Father, we go through this whole process. This, this system has been around in law for thousands of years. I mean, literally thousands of years. And we show you, back at the time of Christ, they had the exact same system. And there were three things required for you to become a child of the state. Three things. And and we go through those. And we're not going to go through those now. You, you can go read those articles and we have recordings on it and everything. But the point is, is that you have these clearly executed contracts. The terms are well published. You just didn't go read them. That doesn't mean they weren't published. They're published. They're available. I went and read them. They're not hard to find. Anyway, so, but you just are too lazy. You're just too busy. You're too stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you didn't do it. Well, I, you know, I do. And I sympathize. I have to be hard on you. Uh, but, the fact is, is you you need to see you screwed up and stop blaming things on the government. The government's just going to... I mean, it's like blaming the, the situation in Israel on Saul. The people rejected God and elected Saul and gave him power and the power corrupted him. Surprise, surprise, surprise. So, you elect the government, you give it all kinds of power and it corrupts the government and you're surprised? Why are you so surprised? You screwed up. You rejected God and gave power to government. You have strange gods before you now. And we call it government. They make the law. They make the rules. 
They're the ones you must bow down and serve. You created that. I know you didn't do it by yourself. And I know, yeah, your parents are partly to blame. But all you had to do is repent. If you guys had repented 20 years ago, the whole face of the earth would have changed. But you didn't. And the fact is, most of you will not repent. You'll be sorry, <laughs> but you won't repent. You know, those of you who will repent need to come together and work together. And you need to know where you went wrong and not that you can just change it overnight, but you can start changing your way. Because we're going to talk about principles, but in order to fill up this airtime, we're going to have to talk about some of the technicalities of this. So, there are these executed contracts where you directly apply for benefits. And you sign up. And you start using the number as an adult. And you go under this authority, this contractual arrangement for benefits. Your legal guardians have sold you into this the system in order to obtain benefits for them. And so now you do the same thing. And But there's also participation in hypothecation, and that's another whole realm. But we, I mentioned it here to begin with. Let's go on back to all these uh, come in a variety of forms and from numerous sources most people are completely unaware of or do not understand. They do not understand. But then that's why when they go into a court, the first thing they ask is, do you understand? <laughs> because you're going to say, oh, yeah, I understand. Well, you probably don't. But you said it, so now they can get to move forward. <laughs> so anyway, many people think, and, and they probably should be in court because they probably violated because they did not seek righteousness. They probably violated their obligational uh, responsibilities because they did not seek righteousness. And there's all kinds of guys out there selling uh, packets and schemes and plans that are not righteous. And that's not what Christ was doing. He was telling you a righteous way to become free and obtain that perfect law of liberty, that liberty in which Christ set people free, but not without assuming responsibilities. And that many Christians today who say they believe in Jesus do not accept those responsibilities. And so, therefore, they are not really saved. They're just deluded. Many people think that the contract between the citizens and the government is the Constitution which created the United States. The Constitution was not between the people, but between the states, which created an additional or external government we call the federal government. The people were not a party to the Constitution. And we, we, that's clear. The Supreme Court's ruled that. We have whole articles up on that. We have a book that covers that. Contracts, covenants, and constitutions. The people were not a party to it. Now, they may be a party to it now, but they're a party to it through the agencies in which they apply to benefit, for benefits from. And other, other means as well, which is that participation in hypothecation. People have become a part of the programs and agencies, and even some of the corporations of the United States. You, I mean, you, you sign a contract with the L.A. Rams and they trade you, you got to go work somewhere else or forfeit all kinds of money. So, you know, there's 
There's all kinds of contracts. And some of them are more subtle than others. People have changed in their relationship to the United States so that they have become a party, but not a controlling party, a subject party. Originally, citizens were referred to as sovereign in court cases with the United States by the judges, that the people were sovereign, individually sovereign. And now there's a sovereign movement and everything, but most of these sovereign citizens don't understand what they're doing. And they're just getting it because they're not approaching it from a righteous viewpoint. They think that they're lawmakers. And they think that, they think because they claim something, it makes it so. They, they have to do it righteously. And, and, and we're back in the bondage of Egypt, so we need to look at how you, how did Moses set those people free? He didn't say, okay, you guys all claim you're sovereigns and start doing whatever you darn well please. No, that's not the way you do it. And that's not the way Jesus did it. Anyway, they have changed by their own actions or their inaction the nature of their citizenship. That's what you've done. While the Constitution has been altered through amendments and, uh, you know, real increase in government control and power has come through the Constitution's guarantee of your right to make agreements and a system of courts to enforce those agreements with corporation, uh, corporate entities and agencies uh, or uh on, who operate on behalf of the United States sometimes. And, and this is clear. Way back in the Judiciary Act of 1789, it says, The suits in equity shall not be sustained in either the courts of the United States in any case where plain, adequate, and complete remedy may be had at law. So, equity is not law. It follows the law. But that's what you're in. Is most of the time, you're in equity courts administrative courts and you're bound in these administrative courts and that's where your remedy is because you've entered into a relationship where there is no remedy at law and this is this is what I saw and why I wrote the first chapter of the covenants of the gods which is holy matrimony versus marriage which everybody should go and read because that's a contract when you go get a state marriage, that's a contract with the state. And they define it as such. It's a three-party contract between you, your spouse, and the state. And it gives them power and jurisdiction over that union. And, but they already have a certain jurisdiction where you're not even supposed to get married without permission of the state. Because the state has already become your father. Because the state provides you with health, education, and welfare. You see, there's a repercussion to going to public school besides learning all the nonsense that they're going to teach you, all the false and, and uh, inadequate history they're going to teach you. They're teaching you how to be good servants of the system. They're not teaching you how to be free men. They don't even want you to know about that. And we cover this in, in, in our article on Power to Change. You're going to see... And we'll have connections to other articles which show you the layer upon layer of this. You know, if you, if you go and you, 
And you look in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. It says, no state shall pass any, and I'm, I'm skipping some parts of this so you get to the critical parts, pass any law impairing the obligation of contracts. You see, your right still exists. Somebody is, has, has the right to decide how you're going to serve that right and the responsibility that goes along with it. Somebody else gets to decide how you're going to exercise that right because you've created obligations of contract as terms of the contract in order to obtain benefits. But the really interesting thing, if you read our not-so-secure socialism, uh, or not-so-secure, yeah, I think that's what it is, uh, not-so-secure socialism or social security, um, you read that article and you see that they put in clauses that they don't have to supply you with benefits, but they can keep taking from you. <laughs> it's a really bad contract. You shouldn't have signed it. good lawyer would look at that and say, you know, this really isn't a good contract. But nobody looked at it. And, it was, and the, the guy who devised the system wrote books about what he was doing. And there were people out there speaking against it, but some of them sold out. They had a, there were actually secret meetings, uh, secret because we don't know what went on at the meeting. We know the meeting took place between Eleanor Roosevelt and a particular opponent of Social Security, uh, and he conceded. He uh, he withdrew his objection. So whatever the deal was in there. That would be interesting to know, but it was secret enough that I couldn't tell you. But I, I see evidence of that, what took place at that meeting. But anyway, uh, we also see, uh, it says Congress uh, shall have the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations. And this is the other part, because you know most of the ownership that you have of property is based on a legal title which is a division, it's a trust title, a division of title, of legal title on one hand, equitable title on the other. And so now all ownership of property is by government suffrage because you don't really own it. You own it by permission. So you can't be in a republic. A republic, you own the land you live on. The state doesn't own it. You own the means of production. You see, that's another thing. Capitalism, people think, well, this is a capitalist country. No, you haven't been a capitalist country for over a hundred years. You don't even operate in capitalism. Capitalism is you own the means of production. You own your land. You don't own your land anymore. You have legal title. Legal title does not include the beneficial interest. The beneficial interest is the right to use the property. You don't own the right to use the property. Therefore, you're not dealing in capitalism. Your money is a debt system. Money. It's not. It's not capital. It's debtism. It's not capitalism. You haven't had capitalism in this country for a hundred years. We have articles up at News of Views on that. But anyway, to regulate you in commerce with foreign nations among several states 
uh, it goes on with in Indian tribes, etc. It's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. So, you can be regulated in commerce and your, your obligations created by the contracts you make with the agencies of government shall not be impaired. In other words, they will enforce those contracts. You have to pay in. You have to give to Caesar what is Caesar. You have to fulfill those obligations. And we, at times, because we write about these things, people think that we're trying to say that you don't have those obligations. You do. That It's with the unrighteous mammon. But you have those obligations. But if you want to be free, you have to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That means you have to seek to come together with others and start living according to the perfect law of liberty. You can't just instantly snap your fingers and become free. So anyway, we're going to talk more about how you got into this mess so that you can find your way back again. You see, because through covetousness you've been made merchandise, for the reverse of covetousness you can be made free. And that's what Christ's message was. And if you don't believe that, then you don't believe in Christ. Anyway, we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to King's Keys of the Kingdom. So anyway, we're regulated today in commerce because of hypothecations of property. We don't own anything. We don't own our land. We don't own our cars. You have legal title. Legal title does not include ownership. You don't own yourselves. Uh, you have a legal right to work, which is a legal obligation to work. And so, therefore, your right to decide is heavily regulated in equity because there is no remedy for you at common law or in the law of nature, nature's God, because you made covenants with men who said they would be your lawmakers. And you made those covenants in order to obtain benefits. And those men exercised authority one over the other. And Jesus said... Jesus said, you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other and call themselves benefactors. Is not to be that way with you. You are to come together to serve one another. So, you have done the opposite of what Jesus said because you didn't really believe Jesus. You believed in an artificial Jesus that is made up by the modern church. And therefore, you're not really saved. And in order to obtain a plethora of benefits, you have signed all kinds of agreements, got all kinds of memberships that carry with them all kinds of obligations in equity and in commerce. And therefore, now you are regulated. And this came about because of a tremendous error in our thinking. The government is not violating the constitutional prohibitions that we think they are violating, or we would like to think they are violating. Through our applications for these benefits, we have failed to retain access to our rights. We have failed to maintain our responsibilities. 
and fulfill our obligations one to another to love one another as we have been loved by Christ. We didn't come together to serve. We came together to devour our neighbor, to eat our neighbor's flesh. And we have a dozens of quotes that we could show you that warn against this and that we would do this and that we have done this in the past and we are doing it again. We are devouring not only our children but our grandchildren in debt every time we apply for a benefit from a government that is bankrupt. And all your social welfare systems are bankrupt because they're all part of one treasury and that treasury is bankrupt. You're worried about balancing the budget while you're still applying for benefits. Because you don't really love your neighbor as yourself. They or, or your neighbor's children. You have clearly failed yourselves, your neighbor, and your posterity. You have done this because you wish to enrich yourself at the ex- with benefits at the expense of your neighbor. And you think you can do this with impunity. You have become a human resource in the process. The Bible warns and says that you would be trapped. You would be snared. You would become merchandise. Paul says this. David says this. I, I don't get how you didn't get this. Your churches should have been warning you day after day after day after day. But they did not. Back in the movie Moses, uh, Cecil B. Mills asked the question, Are men the property of the state or are they free souls under God? This battle continues throughout the world today. It certainly does. And through covetousness, neighbor oppresses neighbor, and all are made subject to the pater patria, the father of the nation. These conscripted lawmakers that are the gods of your world and the judges they appoint, Government as they have done throughout the ages, from Ur to Pharaoh's Egypt, from Israel's kings to Caesar's of Rome. These governments are not ordained by God. They are allowed by God to punish the wicked. Who are the wicked? The wicked are those who covet their neighbor's goods. In the book, Covenants of the Gods, we go through this step by step and show you all the layers of these contracts that you make, these covenants you make with these gods of the world. But there were false prophets also amongst the people, according to Second Peter 2. Even as there shall be false teachers amongst you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord, denying Jesus as a Lord, as a ruler of a kingdom. The apostles were saying there is another king, one Jesus. But you you are out there electing presidents to rule over your neighbors so that you can have benefits. Free education, free health care. And you call yourself a Christian. Are you kidding? You call yourself a Jew. You can't be. You call yourself a Muslim? No way. You're liars. I know it's because you've been lied to and brought under this strong delusion. And and I'm not picking on you individually, but I have to speak about it in these terms. So that you wake up and repent. Those of you who are repenting, 
Glory be to God. But those of you who will not repent, expect fire and brimstone to come down from heaven. You already see that the beast, the image of the beast can bring fire down from heaven. We've seen that country after country after country. Rain fire from heaven. But now the wrath of God is coming. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction, condemnation. And many shall follow their pernicious ways of coveting their neighbor's goods through the agency of government, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now as a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now, do you know how? Do you know how this works? You need to know how this works. You know, I mean, you go back to Exodus twenty seventeen: Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not... Not his his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor his car, nor his truck, nor anything that is anything. If you're sending your kids to public school, how do you get the money to build that school? You threaten your neighbor that if he does not pay for that school, you're going to take his house away from him to the agency of the government Because he failed to pay the tax to provide you with free education. Is that not what this commandment is talking about not doing? And yet you do it. Every one of your churches say that's okay. Now, I'm not saying you don't have the tax obligation. I'm not trying to save you from having to pay in. I'm telling you the process by which you have become enslaved. You have chosen to enslave your neighbor... So that you could have benefits, so you yourself will be snared, enslaved. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. That's what's happened. That's why we see in Habakkuk, woe uh, woe to him that covereth an evil covetousness to his house that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people and have sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood. You have built your cities with the blood of your neighbors and established a city by iniquity. Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in their very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity. You deserve what you've gotten. You know, this is not even separate from Paul. Paul writes, What shall we say then? 
Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. How can you tell me you love Christ and still covet your neighbor's goods? Now, let's go back to that Exodus 20, 1 through 17. And, and you can read Exodus 34, 12 through 15 and, and Exodus 23, 32 and 31. But it says, let's just take bits and pieces out of that. Brought thee out of Egypt, where the government owned you, or 20% of your labor anyway. I mean, how much does it own of your labor now? Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That was bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not covet. And anything that is thy neighbor, anything that is thy neighbor's, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods, so that you can get their ruling judges to take from your neighbor to provide you with benefits. Romans 13.9 For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, if there be any other commandment is briefly comprehended, in saying, in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How is it loving your neighbor to threaten to take his house away if he does not pay for your education or your, the education of your child? That's not love. That's not living by the perfect law of liberty. That's not living by faith, hope, and charity. That is living by the sword. And you have gone under the sword because you have chosen to do this. Now you have to start educating your children yourselves, either through groups or individuals who have... I mean, we used to have most of the people in America until the, the, the beginning of the 19th century were educated by private funding, not by public education. And even the first public education was only partially funded by the public. Uh, much of it was edu- uh, done by private funding. I mean, schools in this community were actually roofing a school, an old schoolhouse, one-room schoolhouse. Much of the money that went into building that school, it was built on private land, was provided by locals, not by tax dollars. The teacher was often housed in local housing. Does the world have altars whereof we should have no right to eat? Yes. The civic altars that force their neighbor to contribute. Can we eat the meat of one neighbor when blood is still in it? Can we covet our neighbor's goods and feign righteousness? You know, I have a section in the book Higher Liberty called the Covetous Prayer. We, we talk about a great deal of this. You have rights antecedent to all earthly governments, rights that cannot be repealed or restrained by human laws, rights derived from the great legislator of the universe. You know, that's a quote from John Adams. You have those things, and the government can't restrain those. But you can, through the obligation of contract, Bind yourself into obligations where you don't get to exercise those rights or access to those rights. 
You may sell yourself a slave to the gods of the world by making consent to obtain benefits at the expense of your neighbor. Your neighbor gets to take from you for his own benefit. You no longer live in a free society because you did not set your neighbor free. You say, well, I paid in and I want it back. Forgive them. Say, you owe me nothing or you will never be free. But then you're going to have to come together to provide those benefits that you once looked to the government to give you by faith, open charity. Because my people have forgotten me. They have burned incense to vanity. They have caused them to stumble in the way from the ancient past to walk in paths in a way not cast up. That's Jeremiah 18.15. That's what you're doing. You're walking in a path not cast up. We can go through one quote after another. Luke 12.15.16.14 or in Acts 20.33. All the prohibitions against coveting. Romans 1.29 Romans 7.7 Romans 13.9 All Paul. 1 Corinthians 6.10 No thieves, no covetous, no drunkards, no revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. No covetous. Your whole system is based on coveting your neighbor's goods. All those benefits. 1 Corinthians 12.31 By covet earnestly the best gifts that show unto you a more excellent way. And that's what we're talking about. Taking back your responsibilities of caring for one another in true love for your neighbor. You can do this. It's not hard, but you got to come together to do it. And that's why we created the livingnetwork.org. So that you could actually find other people who want to do this and start coming together with them. Coming together to serve, not just for what you can get out of it. Selfish need not apply. Zombies need not apply. We have our whole article on that. Interesting, fun, fun to do. But, you know, if we go back to uh, looking at some of these other maxims of law. Protectio trahit subjectionum. Subjectio protectionum. That's Coke. He writes in Latin. You'd be amazed on how much of Black's Law Dictionary is in Latin. Protection draws to it subjection. Subjection, protection. If you want the government to protect you and, and provide you with all these benefits and secure you from destitution, then you will become subject to that government. And it will destitute you. Like it says in Samuel 8, it will take and take and take and take and take. I am, and, and it should. It is there to punish the wicked and you've been wicked so you should be punished. I have no problem with government. I have a problem with those of you who covet your neighbor's goods and say you are Christians. Who look to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other and pray to them for benefits that you know comes at the expense of your neighbor and then claim you love Christ. How can you do that? You can't. As long as we look to government to solve our problems, we will always suffer tyranny. That was William Pitt back in the 1700s. I mean, the early Americans knew that quote. 
like the back of their hand. Modern Americans, they just keep looking to government. So you're going to change the government and make it better? No, you have to change. You have asked the government to protect your family from ignorance, from health costs, from disabilities, from old age, from unemployment, from destitution, and a thousand other things. And they have got a grip on you because of that. Contract is law between the parties having received their consent. If you have accepted the benefit in any way, and almost all of you have, your consent is given. Whether you understood it or not, your consent is given. You've got a lot to learn. You have to learn what it means to be free, how to be free, how, who can be trusted in, in a system of freedom and liberty to be there for you. This comes through practice, through casting your bread upon the waters in hopes that it returns back to you. This is what it's been about from the beginning. This is the law of the prophet, the way of the prophets, the way of the ancients. Your present state of bondage is the result of hundreds of contracts that you and your parents have been signing for more than a century. The present state as as subjects instead of free people has been a long time in coming. Your perception of history, your perception of morality has degenerated because of an apostate church and a government out of control. And I don't care what country you live in. This is, this is the way of human nature. If you will not go the ways of God, you must go out of the presence of God and do something different. And what you will do will be what you see has been done. Now is time to repent, turn around, go the other way. To really start believing in Christ enough to become a doer of the word. To follow in his ways. To strive as he said to strive. To seek as he said to seek. To seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness by coming together in congregations that actually become health, education, and welfare for your society, which will be different than the society of the world, which will fall and fail because it is the unrighteous mammon, the unrighteous trust of your wealth. Now, if you go back to, uh, you know, we have an article on, on schools and we mentioned the Reese Commission. Uh, the, it talks about they wanted to change the way in which Americans viewed history. Way back in 1908. And they gathered together with certain philanthropic organizations to rewrite history books. And they actually, I mean, they name them. Guggenheim Foundation and others. And then they approached uh, Charles and Mary Beard and they, they tried to, they've tried to defame them. Their books have been removed. I've got a few of them that I got from uh, libraries that were throwing them out, which gave you a better view of history. They did it simply by deleting certain things from history so that you wouldn't know them anymore. Well, we don't want you to think about that. We don't want you to think about that. We don't want you to look behind the curtain. We want you to look over here. And we don't want to think about this. And, you know, like taxation without representation. That's not what it says. It says taxation without consent in the Declaration of Independence. Taxation of, without representation, that's 
uh, there's no reference to that hardly anywhere in the literature of the time. The taxation without consent is, is clearly written. But of course, they don't need your consent anymore because you already consented when you said, could you take from my neighbor so that I can have a free education? Can you take from my neighbor so that I can have health care? Will you take from my neighbor so that, you know, I can have all these benefits? And they say, sure, but we get to take from you too. Oh yeah, but I bet you, you, I got some rich neighbors and I want you to take from the rich. It doesn't say thou shalt not covet unless your neighbor's rich. Thou shalt not covet, period. That's it. It says, you know, this process in the ignorance of the American people has led, you know, the Supreme Court in like U.S. versus Minker to state, because of what appears to be lawful command on the surface, many citizens, because of their respect for what only appears to be a law, are cunningly coerced into waiving their rights due to ignorance. Now, the ignorance, whose fault is that? Because they have published what they were doing. You know, when I wrote Holy Matrimony versus Marriage, I took the, the, it was originally just a pamphlet, and it became the chapter of the book, The Covenants of the Gods. And, and I wrote it three months after I had this epiphany, and, and these law books show up on my doorstep, and, you know, and I'm, I'm just paging through them, and all of a sudden, wow, 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 wow. And, uh, all of a sudden, it's just like it was connecting the dots. And this was all because I finally submitted and, and admitted that I didn't understand. And I gave it to my dad, and he said, you're right. My dad was a lawyer, top lawyer. He says, you're right, but they're not going to like you. Well, that's not, I don't care about that. <laughs> well, I may someday, but I love you. And I want you to know the truth. And that's why we're here. To tell you the truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Until then, peace be upon your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.